Please listen carefully. Paul Fields. And I'm Dave Guzman. Welcome to Practical Bass, where each week we pull out a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we look at it from a bunch of different dimensions, sort of explore it, uh, talk a little bit about our experiences. And we also call on you, the listener, to come back at us with your experience. We really want to have feedback from you. We want to hear from you and and uh, have a conversation with you. We want to have a relationship, not just have you, you know, follow us on social media. We want to hear from you. We want to we want to share uh, in the experience of being bass players and uh, in the growth that comes from that journey. And to do that, it's pretty easy. You can go to our website, practicalbase.com. We have a feedback form there. You're welcome to fill that out. And it simply emails us. We don't sell your address to anybody or anything like that. We It literally just emails us. We love to hear from you. Um, you're welcome to also correspond with us on Facebook. You can find us at the Practical Base page. You can find us on Google+, Plus, uh, on Twitter, and even on Instagram if you want to send us funny pictures or pictures of you with your base or many bases, as the case may be. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, that's as easy as it could possibly be as well. Um, on your iPhone, just go to the Podcasts app. Uh, on your Android phone, you can go to Google Play Music uh, or uh, whatever device you're on. You can choose like something like Stitcher Radio or any podcatching app um, that you like, uh, iTunes, for example, on your Mac, and just search for Practical Bass and you will find our podcast. Hit the subscribe button and a new episode is going to get delivered to your app every week Uh, for you to listen to at your leisure, hopefully many times over because we're just that entertaining. And uh, we hope that you will also refer your musician friends to our podcast as well. Um, We specifically target bass players, but uh, we do not discriminate. We are inclusive of all musical uh, instruments and their players here uh, without, uh, without regard for their register or number of strings or other doohickeys. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, anyway, I think this time, you know, we've talked a lot about habits. We've talked a lot about the business of being in bass and some of the growth journeys you can take for bass. Yep. I think it's about time we did an episode all about gear. Ooh, I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna do something with that. There's a sound of production. It's gonna be all about gear. gear. Gear, gear, and more gear. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, what's our favorite thing to talk about, bases. Yeah. So, Dave, I want you to tell me about the most expensive instrument that you've bought. The most expensive. The most expensive. The most expensive is is the bass that I'm playing right now, today. Um, since, you know, I only play one bass at a time. <laughs> you're a one bass man. I'm, I'm a one bass man. You're, you're monogamous do, about your bases. I, I do. I do have some other bases in the closet, but yeah, for the most part. But you, you find know, one that you really love to play, and that's the one you pretty much bring everywhere. Yeah. So the the bass that I'm playing right now is actually a um, it's a custom bass, and I, you know, crossed that line recently. I've got a, a friend of mine, um, Eli Barreto, who has been making guitars and basses for about 25 years mostly is like uh just an art and you know and for friends 
Um, recently, he got into uh, his brother is a um, is one of those international bass players, kind of like a jazz, a Latin jazz bassist. He also um, produces. He's a, he's a monster. Yeah, he produces. His name is um, Augustine Barreto. He um, he produces music for a you know major. Latino uh, music station. I think he's based out of Miami. So they got together and he worked with his brother and trying to figure out like how to design the yeah. perfect bass for him. Yeah. And the, the price point was set pretty, it was, it was set at what you would expect for, for that product. Like yeah. kind of way out there. Right. Yeah. Like if, if you've got the money and, and, and it's deserving, but they, but he hit a point where he realized he wanted to do something more on a budget level, which is where my high end of my budget kind of fit. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in that 2000 ish range. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so that's, that's what I'm playing right now. It's a four string Beretta yeah. and it's actually the first model that he that he put out in that in that range yeah like you literally have the first base number one in that line yeah and that's i mean that's really something you you definitely are going to want to hold on to that because it's kind of cool yeah yeah, it's very cool to have like number one of a line and yeah and eli builds they're just such gorgeous instruments i remember you know when he brought the the blanks over to your house that he'd been working on and like putting it on my leg and it literally balanced i mean it like you i put it on my leg and i didn't have to hold it right it just sat there perfectly exactly yeah. where it should <laughs> yeah. like like it was glued to my leg in the perfect playing position it was amazing it's magic it is a magic base it's a, really cool it's a little bit of magic i feel like we should at some point we should get a picture of you and we should put it on our instagram of you with that base maybe by the time this episode comes out we'll we'll have that out there to uh to accompany this somehow oh a photo op yeah exactly and uh yeah and just once again you know because Hey, I mean, we, we don't like, you know, we, we haven't been paid to do this. This is not, you know, uh, a paid endorsement in any way, but uh, you know, I, I, that base is, is really lovely. So if anybody's, you know, if you're looking, you want to look up Eli, so it's Eli Barreto, B-A-R-R-E-T-O. Correct. And uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out um, some beautiful, very, uh, very ornate and also, um, you know, very individual looking like they've got their own kind of exotic mm-hmm. look, which I, I think is fantastic. It doesn't look like, you know, just any other, Oh great. It's another, you know, J base clone or whatever. Right. Not that those are bad. Cause I love my J bases, but That's right. this is definitely like a cut above. Yeah. What about you? What is, uh, what's the most expensive instrument that you've handled? Uh, so I, I've never bought myself like a, a truly boutique instrument, although I have been thinking lately about, you know, down the road investing in like something like a Sadowski maybe, but, right. um, but right to date, um, actually one of the most expensive bases I bought was a long time ago. I mean, it was when I was starting, like when I was getting started in like my first or second band that I'd done, huh. um, the band leader was really particular about everything like and and really controlling about stuff in a way that was overly controlling like i should never have like in my current status or my current mindset right i would never have gone for this but in those days i was very inexperienced and i was looking to learn 
And I did. I learned a huge amount of that band. But one of the things that guys want, the guy wanted is he had a very particular look and for, for everybody in the band. And he wanted me to get a Gibson Thunderbird four. Yeah, the Nixie, the Nikki Six yeah. style, you know, that that bass. Um, right. Which is a monster instrument. So I couldn't find any used. Hmm. Like we, you know, um eBay in those days was like it was really sketch for buying expensive things. Like right. they've gotten a lot better about how they guard you nowadays. Yeah. Um, ever since I guess Google bought them or whatever. Um yeah. and uh yeah, there was no like There's Craigslist no, or anything. or reverb wasn't out yeah, then. Yeah, yep. well, I mean the web was not. You know, this is like 1994 or something right. like that. So, um, yeah, so I went to Chuck Levin's Washington Music Center, yeah. and I bought a brand new Gibson Thunderbird four, and it cost me like eighteen hundred dollars, like almost nineteen hundred dollars, I think, with taxes, like right. maybe north of nineteen hundred. Yeah, um, it was expensive as yeah. crap, and but let me tell you what. It was a monster instrument right. when you played that. I mean, it was authoritative sounding. Yeah. Um, and I played in that band. I played with a pick because that was the style for that band. Yeah. And it was just like, I mean, it was a monstrous yeah. sound. It was a great bass, but you know, it was not a great move. I was a young guy and right. like, it, it wasn't like I had tons of money to throw around. I was just like, took the plunge and you know, I was, I was paying it off for months, right. but, uh, and I ate all the depreciation because I bought a new base, which I never do any, hardly ever do anymore. Right. Hardly ever buy anything new these days. Yeah. I think I sold it a few years later after that band was done. I don't think I sold it for more than I think eleven hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah. So I ate all of that. Yeah. Like all that cost. How did that feel? <laughs> Not good. Not good, Dave. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't do that very much after that. I you know. Yeah, like I said, I don't like don't like buying the new the new bases. Um yeah. you know, so those are I wouldn't say those are like the most expensive things you might I mean goodness knows you can go out and spend you could spend six, seven, eight thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars on a, oh, a yeah. base from like, you know, if you want to buy like the custom Foderas and things That's like right. that. You know, you can spend a pretty penny on those. Yeah. So, you know, you and I are comfortably, I think, in the middle, like in the Right. Our expensive bases are maybe in the median range for, you know, they don't get in the crazy range. Yeah. And and it's not that it's, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I think I'm a little bit jealous. Like when I see someone with that yeah. level base yeah. and, and they let me touch it yeah. yeah, and you play it and you realize like, oh yeah, like yeah, that's a, that's a piece of machinery. I've, I have, I mean, I have played, I've actually been able to put my hands on and play some instruments that were extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, just in the, like in a bass, you know, like in a bass, um, boutique or whatever. Right. Uh, there's a great one up in Alexandria that we should hit someday because they have some, some cool stuff. We'll talk about that off, off air, but, um, Field trip. <laughs> exactly. You know, what would be cool. Maybe we'll take the podcast there. Who knows? It's a great idea. Um, we can, we can run it from the car. Yeah. Like in the uh, in the parking lot, right? Go and try a couple bases, talk about them. Yeah, back in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shoot ourselves like playing them or whatever. Right. Um. So. Yeah. So the uh, yeah the the expensive instruments definitely go like they go to crazy levels of expensive. Um. But what? So without regard to actual cost, like no matter what the dollar amount was there's value instruments that you can get. Like you right. can spend $2,000 and 
and get a high value instrument, like an, an instrument that is a great value for $2,000. Right. You can spend a lot less and get a great value in that instrument, right? It's relative to what you're spending. Yeah. Um, what is the best value in an instrument that you've ever owned? And do you still have it? Hands down for me, the best value uh, was when I picked up a, um, a Fender Jazz Aerodyne. Yeah. And what I really Your liked about black aerodyne. the black aerodyne with, you know, the, that like kind of like pearl thing that wraps around it. It just, it had like a fanciness to it. You had to, yeah. you had to clean it every single time because the fingerprints were a monster on that black. <laughs> so you really had to like put time into it. Um, but it was, a, you know, it's a, uh, it had the PJ pickup. It had, it had the growl. It had you know, all the tonality, um, for the price point, it was maybe set right around 700. Yeah. Um, and you and did know, you buy that new, I actually bought that new from a friend who owned a shop for a short period of time. Yeah. It's like, I kind of got a, you know, better deal. Like I think it retailed for seven fifty, and I got it for, yeah, I want to say like close to like six twenty five, six fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I played it uh, for, I want to say three or four years straight, um, you know, gosh, hundreds of gigs and just, you know, it yeah. got beat up through yeah. the process and, uh, and I, I did end up selling it and I actually sold it for, for right around that same amount. So I got all my, you know, just about all my money back from it. And it was for me, I guess, you know, you talked about like the, the timing of where you're at from like a skill set or from, you know, an experience side. And, you know, I had come off of a couple of like kind of shaky base situations. So yeah, yeah. jumping into that was like it, you know, it propelled my bass playing. Like yeah. It brought something out. Yeah. I don't know if when I got that, I was ready for the, you know, that thousand or the 2000 mark that, that price point, like, it gave me room to grow within that base. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it, you felt like it was a, it was definitely a, a professional level instrument. Right. But also not to the extent that, you know, you're worried about taking to the gig or whatever, like you take right. it out whenever you want it. That's the one you pull. Exactly. Exactly. What about you? What was your, what was your value base? Now, this is, so this is tough because for me, like, I'm all about the value by now. We, we talk about yeah. this a bunch. Like you live value. in the you live in the world of value. <laughs> I live in the world of value. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but um, I I just got into a phase where I actually was just buying and selling a lot of instruments for a while. Yeah. Um, just looking for the right things for me. Um, and I've kept more of them than I've let go for sure. Like I've slowly been building up like a you know a pretty decent closet full of bases. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a tough choice, but I would say <laughs> I, I actually wrote notes for two and I realized I probably needed space for three. <laughs> I can't, that's how hard the choice is. It's terrible. This is not like a humble brag thing. Like I just, I really love, yeah. like I really love a great instrument. Like it inspires a love all of its own, you know, like a car that you, you know, you're, your favorite car that you you had in high school or something like that. I don't know what I didn't have one like that, but whatever. And and, and I can I could definitely say like that kids. when you know 
when you've got a few bases pulled out, like every single one, like every single one has a certain quality to it. Yeah. It's got a charm and there's a reason that you got it. Yeah. Oh, I haven't played this in a while. Then you take it back out. You play it like, why did I put this away? Oh, I love playing this again. And that, that totally, (laughs) I think that goes right in line with what you're saying about how it's like, it's, it's when you go to like, um, and I'm not a huge car guy, but if I go to, I am a guy. So if like I go to a car show and it has like older cars that have just been maintained well. Classic car shows. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're not like, Thirty, fifty thousand dollar cars, yeah. but they've been taken care of, and yeah. they're all like beauties in their own yep. right. Yep, that's like that's how I feel about your collection. That's why this is probably so difficult for you right yeah, now. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. So, like straight up, like straight up, the best deal on a base I think I ever got was I bought a couple years old um, Music Man. Uh, Stingray Five, mm. you know, like straight up, like the American, yeah. you know, the you know made an SLO, yeah, and uh, it was beautiful, like uh, um, has a vintage, vintage uh, three tone um, sunburst, and right. all like you know that 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 maple the the figured highly figured maple neck and yeah, um, and just feels so great, and I that was my main base for probably like well over a decade that was the base that i played at oh, most wow. of my gigs okay and i only paid like 900 bucks for it wow and i mean those go new nowadays for like i mean like that thunderbird yeah you know those go for like especially with the nice paint jobs like that mm-hmm. they go for like 1800 bucks now 17 or 1800 bucks it's crazy yeah um yeah I've, I've actually been looking at a couple of those i just didn't realize like yeah. the sound that those yeah. Give is just, it's, it's unique. Yeah. It, and it, it makes you feel wonderful about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it really boosts the confidence. You grow like three inches in your shoes. Yeah. You're like, da, da, da. And then you see the price tag. Yeah. And they're like, oops. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I got it. It was on consignment uh, at, wow. uh, at our friend Joe's store up the road. Uh-huh. Um, th- there was a guy who basically bought it, never played it. It lived in its case for like, I think it was a 1998 and I bought it in, I want to say 2000, I think. Right. So it literally had, it had nowhere in tear. It was practically mint. Wow. And so, I mean, I got, I got it for a song and yeah. just in terms of like getting a great deal, right. That was a great deal. Yeah. Now the other two different circumstances, maybe not like, maybe not that kind of like steep, you know, discount, but right. great instruments. So, um, I think my number two is, uh, my, my, uh, and this is the bass that I play all the time nowadays. It's a Lakeland Skyline mm-hmm. edition, right? Which means it's it's not U.S. made. The electronics come from the U.S. Same grade of electronics, yeah. But the body and the neck and the construction is done in you know overseas, yeah. But they get it gets plecked and everything, you know, uh, here in the U.S. and and finished to like, right. U.S. standards. Um, so it's a Lakeland Skyline Daryl Jones five string, mm-hmm. uh, the white pearl one. And I paid, the guy who was selling it, he wanted 900 bucks for it. Uh, I offered him eight and he took it. And wow. it turned out it has, it has Lindy Fralin custom pickups in it, not the stock ones from Lakeland. It's got Lindy, like custom oh. Lindy Fralin pickups in it. And the guy threw in the stock pickups too. Cause he's like, well, I don't need these. Cause you know, I don't have right. another jazz bass. So he, he threw in those as well. So I've got an extra oh. set of pickups came with it. And 
and a case. And what I did is I then I went and spent like 300 bucks, dropped a John East uh, a DJ Retro preamp into uh-huh. it to change it from a passive to an active. Yep. And that bass is magical now. I mean, it mm. is. It, it's one of the best sounding basses I think I've ever played. It feels fantastic. Like, and it's the neck is sized right for my, like the profile yeah. is so good for my hands. I love it. Right. So that's my main bass now. My number two bass, so my, or the number three on this list is also nowadays my number two bass. Right. And it's the only thing that I've bought new in a very long time. And it's uh, one of those Sire Marcus Miller V7s. Yeah. It's a five string. I got the one that's uh, ash, an ash, swamp ash body uh, with the maple, um, with the maple uh, fretboard. Yeah. And, I paid, I think, something like $650, brand new, with a nice gig bag for it to be drop shipped at my, like, shipped right to my door. Right. And let me tell you, the sound of these, like, these are no joke. Yeah. These instruments, like, if you you hear people talking about the Sire instruments, mm-hmm. you know, again, not a paid endorsement. I, you know, these guys don't owe me anything. I don't owe them anything. But I played this instrument. You've played this instrument, yeah. too. Yeah. And it's the real deal. It's right on. These are the real deal. Like nice. That the preamp is amazing. Like this, the killer feature that I love so much about my my Lakeland and that John East preamp mm-hmm. is the sweepable mid. Right. That right. is the killer app for for active bases, in my opinion. Yeah. The Marcus Miller has that built in straight from the factory. It's got a sweepable mid. Right. It's got like five knobs on it, and it seems like to some people that seems like excessive, but all of them have their function. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, again, that sweepable mid is it means I can tune it to any room. Now it does weigh a ton. Like it weighs. Right. I'd be surprised if it weighed less than twelve pounds. Right. But. It is a great, like a great sound. It sounds as good as many American, like active American basses I've played. Right, right. So fantastic. And in fact, if, uh, you know, this, this, by the time people hear this, this video would have been out for, you know, probably a month or more at this point. Um, but Scott Devine, mm-hmm. right, who we both follow, we love, love Scott's stuff. He, uh, he does scottsbasslessons.com. It's a great bass academy. Highly recommend him. Yep. Um, he's a great guy. So shout out to Scott and his crew. We love you guys. Um, he just did a video recently, which was a shootout between these Sire right. bases and like a $3,500, mm-hmm. you know, state of the art active, you know, I think it was, I think it was a Fender, but I'm not sure, but it was, it was, it was a, a Fender. It was a Fender yeah. jazz. It's like the American professional series or something like their step right. up whatever their like new step up is into, into really high range instruments. Yeah. And he ABs them and it's like you, you, I mean, you can tell there's a difference, but you realize how good they both sound. And you're like, where's the other $3,000 going, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it like when he levels them out that way, like those small differences that you hear for me, it was like, wow, this then, really does just come down to personal taste. Yeah, the fact that the fact that you're even listening to them and like having to say like you're not just clearly going, "Oh my god, that one's horrible and that one's great." Like the fact that you're listening to them intently yeah. and trying to figure out what's up. Like that right there, like 
the the conversation can end at that point because yeah. clearly, you know, clearly these are are decent instruments. So anyway, I sound like I'm puffing up the sire, but again, I just feel like for a value in an yeah. instrument, they have it figured out at this point. I don't know how they do it, but it's amazing. If and you know, this is like if you're looking for a value, like I mean, I really think that it. What's most important is that whatever, at whatever price point, whatever you know, maybe you, maybe you have extra money, right? Like yeah. maybe the money is not even an issue, right? Maybe your thing is that you like to get that value, wherever that is. Like I think the most important thing is to get, get the base that fits you, like yes. get the base that fits you at that point that like works. You know, you were, you're talking about, um, you know, like the sire, like really working for you. For me, that might not work because of the weight. Right, like that's a that's a thing on my on my list when I look at a base is it's got to be light. Yep, weight is a big deal. I'm just yeah. not, you know, I can't handle that for three or four hours. It's, you know, it doesn't work for me. So that's that's a personal, you know, taste that comes into the factoring of you know what base I'm going to purchase. Yeah, yeah. I, one of these days, I really should go weigh that thing because honestly, I I have no idea what it weighs. I just know that it's heavier than any of my other five strings. Yeah. So yeah, one day I'm going to have to do that, like get it on a scale and just really figure out what it is. Right. Um. Usually, people I don't usually do that unless I'm selling one. Like then I go weigh right. it so I can tell somebody what. Until then, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. <laughs> um, who knows? It could be ten pounds. It could be fifteen. I'd have. I don't know. I have no idea. Um. But yeah, so I mean, we talk about the value bases, and obviously, like um, I'm both indecisive and decisive, right? I'm decisive about buying value bases, but I'm indecisive about which ones I like best, right? <laughs> but you know, value—the values are different. Like you said, it's going to be different for each person. And I think one of the things that we're that we ought to make clear here is not that no one should ever spend a lot of money on a base. That is definitely not what we're trying to say. There's a lot of good reasons to buy an expensive or a boutique instrument, right? Yeah. Like what are like what are some things that you can get with an expensive bass that you don't get in like, you know, either like an off the shelf like a budget mm -hmm. instrument or a, you know, like a 500 or a 300 or even a $200 instrument. Like the thing you end up paying for something in there, right? And what's right. what's that all about? Right. And and that could that could lay in you know, just straight up in the craftsmanship of yeah. the base, right? Yeah. Like just the just how closely they're paying attention to the production of that. Yep. Um, you know, and and that ends up, you know, how how your frets are laid out, how the how everything is sort of, you know, you have to get your base set set up. But yeah. some bases just like once they're set up, they're set up nicely. Like yeah, it's butter. And craft well, craftsmanship means a lot of things too, right? Because that's, I mean, that's literally from the the tip of the headstock all the way right. to the the pin at the end, right? I mean, yeah. like, so for example, to me, one of the dimensions of craftsmanship is like the attention paid to the the machinery, right? The quality mm -hmm. of the machinery, what you what's been selected for the tuning machines, right? Right, the string trees, the nut, the bridge, the you know. The, the type of saddles that they use, the quality yep. of the knobs, right. the switches that are on it, right? Yeah. Like all of those things go go into it. Um, 
and you know, and that's a place where you do see like a budget instrument like the Sire. You know, they make some compromises there. Not you know, not that it's like there's a crappy bridge. It's just you know, it's it's definitely like kind of a run of the mill type of mm-hmm. you know mass produced piece. Um, you know, an expensive instrument quality of the wood right right like i said like how my you know that sire is like super heavy it's like it's swamp ash okay but right. i'm pretty sure like i got the i definitely got the swampiest part of that ash <laughs> in my opinion do we need to beep that out uh, yeah <laughs> you got a swampy ash um but uh yeah i mean the quality of the wood quality like of the, the wood yeah not just like it might be the grain like the appearance but it may also be like the density like the very you know specific density and mm-hmm. and uh and the um the consistency of that wood from side to side and end to end right and you know a lot of a lot of like custom guys yeah. they're finding a certain person out in you know some part of the country that has a certain farm with trees that are a certain age and a certain density and it gets all the way down to that they're sourcing it and you know and then also in the building you know they a lot of the expensive instruments you know they're going to chamber it in certain ways Mm -hmm. to make it lightweight right and that chambering is uh that's a that's a you know careful process to figure out how to do it in a way that makes the bass sing properly and right you know and also like again it reduces the load so you know you pick up a beautiful looking instrument you know looks like you know this big huge piece of wood and then you pick it up and it just it's so light you can't believe it and, yeah you know it's because of that that level of craftsmanship that's that's gone into it yeah i think i think um if you if you look at you know some of the differences between getting sort of like that that budget level and then moving up the scale from there what i always notice is just in general like the tonality like the bass just starts to have a voice the there, there's a certain voicing that comes out that may or may not be your style or that you like or that works for you but there is like it starts to sing a little bit yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, and it speaks, it's going to speak to different people in different ways. Whereas, yeah. you know, the value instruments that we're talking about, it's, you know, you're, they're, they're mass produced and, you know, they're going to be, in a lot of cases, they're going to be solid and sound decent, but, you know, maybe don't have, there's not something like that special something. Right. right? Um, And, you know, you talked about the fretwork. I mean, the fit and finish are going to be, you know, they should be premium on a base that you're spending a lot of money on. Right. Like, you shouldn't be able to hit fit, you know, <laughs> like in some cases you're like, you know, you look at it like the, you know, the neck pocket is just like, it's super tight and yeah. beautiful. Like the finish is done beautifully. Um, you know, there's so many, there's so many things about, about fit and finish that, you know, when you find like, oh, there's a bit of like the fret is sticking out just a little bit. Yeah. You, know, you find that on just about, you know, any mass produced instrument is going to have fret work that needs to be done to it to make it really like to make it feel really smooth like take it to the next level right and you know a boutique instrument you don't have that like that's all been attended to yeah by an expert um, now, i yeah. even remember i think early on when i first started gigging i was using um i bought in one of the sx bases yeah they're like it's you know china replica of right. whatever model of fender 
it was just one of those, it was, and they're all a hundred dollars. I don't know where they're priced today, but I think they're, they keep them about a hundred to $125. Yeah. That's like the one you buy for your kid when they, you don't know if they're going to stay with it or yeah. whatever. And I tried it. I was like, you know what? I, I, for whatever reason, like I needed, oh, cause I was like on a fret. I don't know. It was this whole thing, but I, I just needed a four string bass. And you know, it was like at that point in time where I was at with bass, like it actually worked. Yeah. I, I played that for about two, two to three years. Yep. For me at that time, it was, it was enough. Yeah. My first bass, the first bass I ever owned was a, it was a Korean, well, this, you know, nowadays the Korean factories are, are actually fantastic, but mm-hmm. you know, in those days they didn't have the, you know, the standards and the attention to detail. And, but my first bass was a Korean Fender. It was a Squire or Squire P bass. Right, black with the white pick guard, you know. Yep. And I think I paid two hundred bucks for it, maybe. Yep. And that was my first bass. I had it for for years. That's how I learned. And I think playing on that bass is what made me appreciate good basses right. so much more. Yeah. <laughs> when I finally got rid of that and got better instruments, it was, um, you know, I had I'd been working so hard that like you know, I'd be able to relax then on basses yeah. and get around so much easier. So. And I think you find that, you know, moving to a very expensive instrument, they're, they're definitely a joy to play. Right. So, you know, all of it is about where you set the dial, right? Price, features, pizzazz, Mm -hmm. you know, and that craftsmanship. And then you get to like trade those off in different ways. Right. So that's probably a good place to stop. Um, We would love to hear from listeners about their uh, most expensive base or the best value in a base that you have bought uh, recently or in distant memory. Maybe that, maybe that one that got away or, uh, you know, that one that you still dream about or, you know, that your, uh, your parents sold while you were away at college, you know, (laughs) or or something like that. I don't know how, who knows what stories there could be about instruments we, we all have a million of them right. sure. so you know let us know your story uh contact us uh you can use the website practicalbase.com we have a feedback form there just emails me and dave we'd love to hear from you there but you can also reach out to us on facebook it's very easy to find us there as well just look for practical base um, you can find us on google plus we are on twitter uh, you can even send us pictures of you and your favorite bases uh, on instagram we'd love to see those as well and uh, keep the conversation going because this is not just about us talking to you. It's about a, a conversation and about your feedback. And we'd love to hear ideas from you about future shows for that matter. If you have a topic you'd love us to discuss, let us know. And uh, and who knows, we may have it in an upcoming week for you. If you want to subscribe to the podcast or you want to refer uh, this podcast to other people, it's very simple to do that. You can find a subscribe page on our website, practicalbase.com. You can also look us up directly in your favorite podcatching app. So if you are on the podcasts app on your iPhone or iTunes on your Mac, if you are on Google Play Music with your Android device or your computer or Stitcher Radio on just about any platform, just search for Practical Base and hit the subscribe button. And when you do that, you're going to get an episode delivered straight to you, uh, straight to your device every week as we as we pump them out. And, uh, and when that happens, uh, we do hope that you'll contact us and let us know what you think. So until next week, I'm Paul Freels. I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. If everyone left the house 
and I was off, like I was just not working. Right. My schedule would become a night schedule. Like I would be going to bed at three or four every night. Yeah. It's such a such a, a nice nice time to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. I consider chloroforming my family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. That would be very bad. It would be very bad. It would be very bad. But only once they woke up. Right. <laughs>